Hi, this is Maury Moreland Morrison, here to tell you GEICO has more than just great savings. Much more. GEICO's been around for more than 75 years, back when they were using Morse code. Sorry, that's just my sense of humor. What's more, with GEICO, you get 24-7 access to licensed agents on the app, online, or over the phone, so you can talk to them at night or in the morning. So forevermore, just know that no other auto insurer has more more than GEICO. More power to you. GEICO. Expect great savings and a whole lot more. Welcome to another edition of the Superflight Podcast, your Crim Master Cycle NBA podcast. And yes, I should be ashamed of myself for that one. I'm not even a big Matthew Barding guy. Um, how's it going, folks? It is Friday night, January 6, 2017. 2017, can you believe it? And I am your host, as always, Joe Borelli. Welcome back, peeps. How's it going? I hope you enjoyed last week's podcast. Uh, I hope to have more good stuff for you this week. Um, doing one tonight, and I think I'm going to do another one tomorrow, and I'll release those back-to-back. Actually, I'm hopping on someone else's podcast tomorrow, but we'll talk about that later. So, welcome, friends. Let's uh, let's talk. Let's talk about some stuff. What's going on in my life? What's going on in your life? That's what I want to know. Why don't you guys hit me up and say hi, man? Be like, what's up, Joe Borelli? How's it going? Um, yeah, if you want to do that, you can obviously get in touch with me. Uh, I think you know how, but if you don't, I'm going to tell you again right now anyway. You can contact me via Twitter, I think would be probably the best way. Um, you can tweet at the show at SuperFlightPod. You can tweet at me personally at Joe Borelli uh, on Twitter. You can email the show if you want. At superflight, well, you can email the superflight podcast at gmail.com. There we go. And you can follow the show on the ABPN network, um, which is uh, Almighty Baller Podcast Network. And you can follow uh, on, yeah, I think you could just download it on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, and all that stuff. I think that's still all relevant. I'm still getting used to this switching over and not cursing thing. Um, so, yeah, I'll have this all down pat, hopefully, in the next week or two. And then, like, you know, we'll all understand what I'm doing and and how you can listen and how I can get to you. Because that's really what I'm trying to do. I'm just trying to get to you. I'm trying to sneak in your room at night and, and fill your ears with sound. Is that weird? Is that creepy? Sorry. I'm a little creepy sometimes. Anyway, um, <clears throat> so tonight... I'm going to talk to my good friend Damon Rangula again, and he's going to come on and we're going to talk about some uh, young NBA talent who are seemingly taking the next step. So up-and-coming stars like Giannis Antetokounmpo and, uh, well, Joel Embiid, because I love Joel Embiid, and uh, Julius Randle. And, you know, anyways, we're going to talk about these guys. Um, But I figured I might as well do my little spiel for you guys, right? I think uh, you guys appreciate when I do my, you know, quick couple-minute diatribe at the beginning. So what are we going to talk about this week? Well, first, I just want to say that, again, and I'm really tired of talking about this and hearing about it, as is everyone in this country, and it's a real tragedy. Um, I'm, I, my heart goes out to the people in Fort Lauderdale Airport and uh, their families. Um, I guess five people have been killed again today, tonight, and... 
several other injured from a gunman. Yeah. All right. I'm not trying to take this uh, down a negative road here. I'm I'm going to uh, I'm going to go off of that path. But I just wanted to say that, like, you know, I'm really, as we all are, I'm, I really wish something could be done. Um, but you know, whatever. What am I going to do? Um, but I do want to say that, uh, you know, my heart truly, truly goes out to those families and the victims. And uh, you're in my thoughts. Um, what else? Uh, on a happy note, uh, let's talk about a little bit of music. So here's my thing this week. I, I know I did this stupid Metallica review a couple of weeks ago or months ago. I don't know. I was really excited about that album when it came out and I listened to it and it's it's been great. But if you guys have not heard the new Run the Jewels 3 Oh my God, it is so good. Go get it. Um, I know they've had it up on uh, the internet for a bit for free. You can go to the Run the Jewels website and you can download that thing for free, man. It is so good. It's just, I mean, I'm not a music critic, right? And like typically I'm not a huge hip hop guy either. I'm more of a metal guy in case you guys couldn't tell. Um, But this album is so good, man. They're like, the lyrics are definitely important to the times they're very poignant they're very you know they're also fun and funny at times and um and i think they just the thing for me that really attracts me is that when they when they rap when they do their rhymes man their rhymes are like they rap hard they rap angry and it it's just it's right up my alley it's really exciting for me i think it's such a good album um the one the one track stay gold so good i was running to it and it's like right in my tempo of my pace so it's a great album to run to uh and the the beats are sick they're like dark and moody i mean the beats i'm talking about not just the lyrics are like the, the beats are like they're dark they're like they're like it's angry beats it's really good stuff man it's if you want to get jazzed up if you want to get like amped about the the world amped about life or if you want to you know like feel a little politically angry or something this is just the perfect album for you these guys are sort of old school hip-hop and they're also like very new school with the beats and very i mean very versatile they're they the cadence of their rapping is 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 amazing should i say rapping the cadence of the rhymes uh, the way they spit lyrics as you will if you will um they're great man um you know and the other thing is like i, I really appreciate that uh Killer Mike, you know, was on the Bernie Sanders, um, uh, what's the thing, what's it called, a campaign trail, there we go, he was on the Bernie Sanders campaign trail, so he was a very, I mean, you can tell in the lyrics too, like, he's a very politically active uh, person, and he's, you know, he he speaks a lot in the, in the lyrics about injustices in our country, and so it's not just like, also, I love LP, it's, they're both great, but he, you know, it's not just a matter of, um, you know, like a lot of newer hip hop is just not great for me because it's all about like I got money and hoes and all that stuff. I don't really care about that. I do want to hear you talk about what's real, you know, and and uh, what's important to you and what's important in life overall in general. And I think speaking out about injustice, I'm not like a hugely political person and I'm sorry if I'm taking you down this path again. But I just want to say that like the, the album it's really good. I'm not doing it justice because, again, I'm not a music critic. I, I, I make music, and it's really bad. Um, uh, but I don't actually, um, you know, criticize music. I guess I do. I guess I am a little bit of a music critic when I do this on, the, on an NBA podcast. So that album is great. I highly recommend it. Go get it. Um, again, it's still up for free for a little bit, I think. 
And um, yeah, man, what else? So I was trying to, um, you know, write down, sort of script what I was going to say here, because this is, again, I, I kind of just um, go off the path. I kind of get everywhere and, and my thoughts are all scattered, especially when I'm having a really long week and I'm tired. Um, and this week is no exception. But um, I didn't do it tonight. I just didn't have time. And my apologies for that. But let's, um, you know, let's uh, just hang in and, and be cool. And I'm going to talk to Domin and we're going we're gonna to talk about some up-and-coming NBA players. And it's going to be good. It's going to be fun. And, um, yeah. So hang tight. If you want to hear about that stuff, and then also some Lakers and Lakers pick and Sixers mixed in there, you should hang out, and and we'll be right back. So welcome back to the show, my friend. How's it going? Good, good. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man, anytime. You know you're always welcome. You're one of my favorite guests on the podcast. I appreciate it, Ben. I'm just buttering you up because I like your pretty face. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, why don't you um, plug your stuff? You're writing now for uh, 16 Wins a Ring, right? Yes. So I'm writing for 16 Wins a Ring. Uh, I'm writing uh, at uh, Silver Screen and Roll for Laker stuff. Um, I, I, I hope to be increasing my writing uh, output uh, very shortly. Work has been a little bit crazy. Um, but yeah, other than that, just follow me at D-A-M-A-N-R, Daman R. Um, and I plug my stuff all the time. Cool. Do you still do uh, silver screen roll stuff too? Did you yeah, mention that? I do. Okay. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah. I do. Uh, I, I just, yeah, it's been, it's been a little slow. Yeah. No, that's cool. That's cool. I don't write at all. So there yeah. you go. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wants to see me write, man. It's, it's not fun. It's not pretty. Um, just listen to my pretty voice. That's all you got to do. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, welcome back. I uh, did a little bit of an intro and I thought we would talk about some of the up and coming, uh, like rising stars in the NBA. Absolutely. Yeah. Guys who are like seemingly taking that next step. And the first it's, it's guy. Funny, yeah. It's funny that you say that, like, as we're talking, uh, Christoph Sporzingas and Giannis Antetokounmpo are playing each other, which is like perfect. Yeah. I saw somebody put a Twitter uh, feed of... Uh, of uh, what did it say? The uh, the unicorn versus the alien, and Chris Depps did like a <laughs> spin move and then banked it off. He like totally faked up uh, Giannis and like did a bank shot and made it. It was it was pretty crazy. Um, sadly, only one of those guys are on the list, but we can definitely talk about Porzingis too. It's just that like of I don't course, know, if, yeah, I don't know if you can really consider him an up and coming star because I think he's already like I think his star has already risen. He's he's getting better, obviously, but yeah, and and he had I think with a lot of these guys, it's like okay, either it's the steady growth. So you see somebody like Giannis, who he's taken an incredible leap this year, but there were still portions of it that we saw last year. It's just it it's it's exploded. Like we might have seen this Giannis, maybe I would have expected like maybe one season of it four years from now. Mm -hmm. He's just doing it now, but somebody like Porzingis is like. It hit us out of nowhere because when he came, first of all, he was drafted, and we were like, "Wait, who?" They Knicks really took him. At, at See, that, wait a minute. Let me state. stop you right there. You were like, "Who?" I was like, "Sam Hinkie's the only guy in the league that was scouting this dude," and somehow he didn't take him. But yeah, well, I, yeah, well, yeah, it's okay. Jaleel Okafor's working out. What's your oh, problem? Yeah. <laughs> you want him? Please take him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway, you know what? Let's let's. 
I was going to start with Isaiah Thomas, and I just watched right. the Sixers game. But you know what? We're already talking about Giannis. Let's talk about Giannis. So let me give you some numbers for you. Like, right, as you were please. just mentioning, he like last year and the year before, we saw some glimpses of what everyone thought he could be. Like, he's he's super athletic. He's super long. And, and he has really good court vision. Um, and we're like, wow, man, once in a while, he'll show you a flash. You're like, that dude could develop into... And what was... What was he taking? He was like a late first round pick, I think. Uh, 13th or 14th. Yeah. Okay. So mid first round pick, but you know, and I think when, um, when the Bucks. Oh, and he was, he was absolutely a reach at that st- right. spot. I mean, for sure. That's what I was just going to say too. And when the Bucks took him, everyone was like, oh, that was kind of a reach, but that kid could pan out. Yeah. Man, has he panned out. So here's his stats so far this, this season. He's averaging 23.9 points a game, 5.9 assists, which is crazy for a dude who's almost seven foot. 9.1 rebounds, which is also crazy for a guy who sometimes plays the point position. And, and by the way, he's like, he's like, if you want to talk about um, a hybrid basketball player, he is the epitome of that. Um, what else? He's got uh, two blocks a game, which I think right now is fifth in the league. It's and insane. It's insane. And his PER uh, is 35.3. No, I'm sorry. 28.8. Oh, and 35 minutes a game. He's he has the uh, for his age. Uh, somebody posted this. I forget who. Um, for his age, he has had the uh, highest per. Period. Wow. Shaq wasn't that high. He was close. Jordan wasn't that high. I don't even. You know, it's just for his age. He's twenty two. People twenty two years old. Years old. And this year, given all the craziness, all the all the you know talent in this league, you see what James Harden is doing. You see what Russell Westbrook's doing. LeBron is LeBron. He has been a top five player at 22 years old. A top five player in the NBA, not top five player in the East, not top five young player, not top five ri- up and rising star. Top, top five, five player. player. And the it's weird, amazing. It's amazing. But the weird thing is, like, it sort of also came out of nowhere. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. It. it so I liked Giannis's game. Uh, I liked his game because his type of, like, the, the type of player that he is. It's like LeBron, right? Like a big guy who just he controls the floor both sides. Right. Uh, defense, offense. He's the playmaker. He's the guy who can you know get to the lane anytime he wants. Like that kind of player. So that's like my favorite kind of player. Mm-hmm. And so I always had an affinity for him. But at saying that, I always thought you know ugh, Milwaukee just needs one more star. They need a superstar. They need a real superstar to you know to really call themselves a, you know a successful organization in their rebuild. They have him. That's him. And I never thought that that was, I I never thought it was going to be that. I mean, at best, I really thought that this is the kind of year he could put as like the one year kind of pinnacle. And, but this, I mean, if he's doing it this early and if he continues doing this, just, just forget improvement, which I think he'll still improve. I think he'll still improve his jump shot. Well, yeah. If he does what he's doing now for the next five, six years, he's a superstar. Yeah. Well, and speaking of like, I was going to mention one thing that he could improve on is actually his three point shooting. Cause I think it's pretty, pretty atrocious at this point. Um, I think he's shooting like 22% on not many threes, but yeah. Um, but imagine man, again, as you just said, he is only 22 years old, only 22 years old. And he's doing this. And Bucks fans will remind me he's 22, but he also hasn't been playing basketball that long. No. Like, you know, some people start really young he started relatively late, so he's only been playing like organized basketball for like seven years, five, seven years, which is nothing. Yeah, yeah, and he's Greek. 
I don't know what that has to do with anything, but <laughs> <laughs> it's sort of endearing for some reason. I don't know. He's Greek. <laughs> uh, he's and then every time you hear him talk, it's just like he's such. He seems like such a good kid, such a mature kid already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Giannis, and then the thing is, like, he's he's definitely going to be named to the All Star. I'm going to do a podcast with a friend tomorrow. And we're going to talk about All Star. What we think? Yeah, he better. Means. I hope. How crazy would it be for him to go from not in the All-Star game at all to starting? I hope he starts. That'd be so that awesome. That would be amazing. That would be amazing. Yeah. Not even like nobody was even considering him last year as an All-Star. We're like, oh, it's going to be another three, four years. Maybe he'll put it together. You know. Oh, and you know what? Oh, and, and, and again, just to highlight how crazy his rise has been, I would I would have accepted your premise, like somebody's premise of saying, okay, Giannis is going to be a really good player. He's not going to make the All-Star team because he's not going to be good enough offensively, but he's going to be, you know, a pillar for a team. I would have totally accepted that and said, you know what, that makes sense. Yeah. But again, this is just another level. It's a totally another level. You know, and not to get off uh, on a tangent or anything, I mean, they started out the season when they were, I think they were going to run him at the point. Or they ended last year running him at the point. And yes. I guess that yes. probably helped his growth right there. Just like understanding the the, the, the court a little bit better. And and he's still doing some of that this season. When they said that they were going to move him at the point permanently, well, I thought that was going to be like that was going to be his permanent position. I thought it was a little crazy, but that would have been amazing. And he still does it on occasion. So anyway, I'm a little bit all over the place. My my thinking was that um, how much of this do you think has to do with Jason Kidd as a coach? I mean, I, I hate to give Jason Kidd credit, but the kid has developed so quickly and that team's actually starting to come together. I don't want to give him credit, but... I, I, you know, it's it's weird because I, I literally, I, I kind of had the same thought. Sometimes I'm like, it, it's how much of the development of these players do we credit coaching, and how much do we just credit their own ability to, you know, work hard and and study film and that. But the truth is, is it's always somewhere in the middle, right? Right. And what Giannis has done is, it's I, I still tend to credit players more than anybody else, just because. I can give you the best instruction, but you also have to be willing to take it and apply what I'm saying to you to to reach the next level. At the same time, it it was Jason Kidd's foresight to say, you know what? Like you're saying last year, it's going to be bumpy to start. There's going to be a lot of turnovers, but you know what? Giannis, you're the point guard. You're running the team. You have to make sure everybody's happy. You have to make sure the right people are getting the ball. You have to make sure that, you know, the right cuts are being made and 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 etc cetera, etc cetera, all right. that goes into running an offense and it was his foresight to say no we're sticking to it because the biggest thing i think that separates a coach that's good with developing talent versus not is allowing players to make mistakes and allowing them to stretch their comfort zone so if a player like if a coach okay so i mean last year you know the lakers <laughs> we had byron scott right so what was the biggest dig against Byron Scott? It he was sucked. that, you know, well, yeah, other than he just being one of the worst coaches worst ever. Worst coaches of uh, all time, yeah. It, it was that he kind of said that, okay, you're a young player. This is your lane. If you step out of this lane, you're getting benched, right? right? And the truth is I, a lot of coaches do that. And Jason Kidd, to his credit, and kind of, you know, the, the knock against him, and he was with the Nets, you know, they were win now and all that. He has allowed that process to take place. And similarly, he let Jabari slowly come into it. He he, mm-hmm. he let Jabari make mistakes. He let Jabari go four for 20 at, uh, on occasion. And he didn't, he didn't ever slow him down. 
and Jabari is taking a similar step to right. Giannis. If Jabari was on another team, because Giannis is overshadowing him, we would we also be looking it. at Jabari Parker. Right, exactly. As, yeah, somebody like, whoa, whoa, this kid too. I mean, this Jabari Parker, I think, was top 10 in votes as well for the Bucks. And you know what? That's not unfounded. I mean, he has been so good, and he's also really young. So at the wor- I, I can't speak much to tactics or X's and O's because I'm honestly, that's like not my strength in terms of evaluating the game. Right. But what I can say is from the standpoint of letting his young players make mistakes, uh, letting them spread their wings a little bit, letting them be comfortable. It's not only letting somebody make mistakes, but also letting them be comfortable making mistakes. Uh, he has nailed that. And, and Jason Kidd gets credit for that. For sure. And we always thought that like, I mean, you can see the guy is clearly one of the smartest point guards to ever play the game, which you would think would right. translate, right? And it obviously right, right. has. I think my thing against Jason Kidd is always that, like, isn't he a wife beater and a, <laughs> and a drunk? Right. But whatever. Right. I mean, that's, that's just a that's, that's a character indictment, not his ability of, as a coach. <laughs> but uh, listen, let's move on. We're, we're talking about the up-and-coming stars of the league, not not coaches who we think are horrible people. <laughs> um but let, let's talk about Porzingis. I didn't have him on the list. And I think people have talked about Porzingis to death. But since he is playing Giannis right now, and and we're both missing it to be doing this podcast. I know. I sorry, know. sorry, buddy. <laughs> this is the only time how I can do you? this. It's I know. How dare I'm a I know, ho- me too. horrible human being right now. <laughs> I think we both just got home too. So I, I we get passes for this one. Yeah, fair, fair. I'm with you on that. Yeah, let's talk about Porzingis a little bit real quick. Like, I was just, I had a thought earlier. He was out a game or two games or three games and uh i'm not sure how many games he was out do you know um no i don't i don't know but i know yeah he's he's he was out um for a stretch like he didn't play the last milwaukee game and that was like two games ago so um yeah he was out a few games okay so my thinking today i'm just walking along walking the launch thinking about the unicorn and i'm thinking well you know he's a really good player he's gonna probably make the all-star what's the what's the thing that would keep him or what's the, what's the biggest thing for him getting in the all-star game i'm like the fact that his team has gone zero and five since he's been out uh, by his not playing is is he's so good that his not playing is is just is a uh i i have a fun hypothetical for you go ahead go ahead so the voting results came out for, um, you know, like the All-Star we're talking about. Right. So Carmelo Anthony was just slightly above uh, Christoph Porzingis. That makes sense. You know, Carmelo Anthony is like a, you know, household name basically yeah. at this point. He's got star power. Right, right. So, but he's not going to get in as a starter based off fan vote only. So it's going to come down to the coaches. Mm-hmm. Now, if for that last spot in the Eastern Conference – if it comes down to Carmelo versus Kristaps Porzingis and the coaches choose Porzingis, how poorly will Carmelo Anthony take that? He didn't like Lynn Sanity because Jeremy Lynn was getting, you know, overshadowing Carmelo Anthony. I think he's wanted to stay in New York because, you know, he wants to make sure that he's in a big market and all that. Yeah. I just I I, I really, really want it to happen just because I like to see things burn. <laughs> yeah, you and me both. Uh, <laughs> no, um, that's that's a really good hypothetical, man. I think that um, I, here's the thing. I don't think just because of who he is, I don't think they would actually do that to him. I, think, I know, I know. And there's a but if it would happen, and- but if it would happen, he's. T- I'm mean, like Porzingis is totally deserving of it. He's he's leading the team in. Is he leading in points? No, no, no. no I think Carmelo still. I, is. I think, I think but Carmelo he's leading is- in everything else. Like the offense runs around him, and he's so good at defense. And 
Th- I was going to say this about Melo. I would feel bad for him because for a long time I did not like him as a player because I felt like he was like when he was in Denver, I was like, this dude is a black hole. You pass him the ball and it disappears. Um, and even when he got to New York, I was like, he's just a selfish player. Even if he was a really good player, uh, I just didn't like his game and I didn't like his attitude on the court. Right. But at the same time, he's been he's kind of morphing himself into more of a public, um, a positive public figure socially. And I really respect right. that. So I, he's no, kind of, I do. He's kind yeah, of brought really, me around a little bit. He, he really put himself out there. And, you know, truthfully, so I, I think going to where you're possibly headed with this. So there's the angle of Porzingis is being held back by his teammates, mm-hmm. right? I actually think Carmelo has been a willing passer and enabler of Porzingis. Now, could he do more? Sure, but that's not really in his DNA to do. He's not, you know, he's not going to be LeBron James type passer, right? right? That's just not who he is. I actually think Derrick Rose has been more detrimental, even though Derrick Rose's numbers are okay. They're not terrible. Like Derrick Rose is performing better than I expected. Yeah. But I think just possession to possession, it's more detrimental to have Rose and Melo playing alongside Porzingis versus just one of Rose or Melo playing against, playing next to Porzingis, and. You know, going back to the original trade for Derrick Rose, the reason it still is not a terrible trade is because Derrick Rose is only on a one-year deal. Right. So either this could have worked out amazingly or it could have been, you know, eh, not so great. And I think it's going to fall somewhere under not so great in terms of the fit. And based on that, if they move on from Derrick Rose and they bring in or they just, you know, elevate somebody like – um. Uh, I think Justin Holiday, is, uh, he plays relatively well uh, for the Knicks. Mm-hmm. Somebody like that who's not going to monopolize possessions but try to keep the ball, ball distributing and play defense. Look, we expect players to make leaps, and I think a player like Carl Anthony Towns this year is proof that all growth is not linear right. or exponential, right? Like right. So Giannis had exponential growth this year, but if you look at the last few years, you might not have been able to chart, but if he would have gone from point where he was last year to point this year so similarly carl anthony towns who's amazing he's he's I, I, still it's putting hard, up it's really harsh. good numbers oh yeah and he's it's still the best player on his like, team too probably yeah oh absolutely right absolutely so but my point is is like just saying that okay let's say porzingis would have had an incredible amount of touches uh in this offense he would be that much better that might not be the case and i think it's all is not lost on that front uh, Porzingis is learning other skills. Uh, he might be getting frustrated playing next to Melo and, and Rose sometimes and some possessions. Obviously, like, it's so, sometimes it's so clear that just get the ball to Porzingis. Like, he is a yeah. you know mismatch. Just, just get him the ball. But he's still only a year two player. Um, a lot of times, year one and two players don't even really play. So he's kind of... he They've done a decent job of, of getting him involved. Um, but yeah, I, I think long-term... They need to just make sure he keeps working on his skills, keeps working on his body, and uh, and you know, Joakim knows another problem, right? The uh, yeah. Porzingis probably should center long term, but so there there are structural issues here, but there's still some hope. I feel like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think once they get, you know, once they let Derrick Rose go, because it, I think your point was that like Derrick Rose and Carmelo Anthony are both me first players. Yeah, they they need yeah. to be focusing on on. Porzingis more, you know, more. He needs to get the ball more and, often. And then they need to run the offense through him because he can do yeah. everything on the court. He can hit threes. Oh. He can drive to the basket. He can give you putbacks. Yeah. He's just, yeah, he's a unicorn. Um, listen, let's move on because we're spending too much time on the Knicks. 
and we gotta sure, go. Sure, sure, sure. Okay, go, 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 go. All right. <laughs> um, let's talk about. You know, the funny thing is, too, all of the guys except for one that I'm about to talk to you with are big men. Like all the big men yeah. are just like making these crazy jumps this year. Um, to anybody, by the way, to anybody who says big men aren't important, uh, all the people we're talking about, and even more. Uh, are proof that yes, big men are still so important. It's just maybe not in the traditional post-up kind of way. Right. And I did a podcast earlier in the year. Talk. I don't. Maybe have even been with you. There... I think it was with you. Yeah, we did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was us. All right. So we just like talking about big men. How tall are you? Because I'm very short. I feel like I should talk. I'm about... super short too. So it's envy. <laughs> there you go. That's what it is. Exactly. I'm like five nine, basically five nine, five ten. Yeah, I'm five nine. You're probably a half inch taller than me. Maybe yeah. an inch. Maybe a full inch. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Let's talk about Nikola Jokic. Yeah, that kid has. I love this guy. Oh my God, he's come out of nowhere too. So they started out the season with with um, Nurkic running center, and then Jokic as as the four. They tried the twin towers thing. There's one thing that's like has not been working for any team this right. year. The Sixers tried it. No, Denver tried it. It's it. it's not really working. There's too many. I I have I have a point about your Sixers when we get. We'll to get that. there. We'll get there. Hold on to it. I'm very eager to hear it. Um. But so then I guess Nurk lost his he lost his confidence. He had some really bad games. And I've always really been a big fan of him, too. He kind of had a, a huge season last year and we thought he was going to take a giant leap. Um, but then this year, Nikola Jokic, man, he just he sort of came out of nowhere. They started starting him at center and he's been putting up his numbers aren't crazy. So let me give you there's like 13.1 points, 7.8 rebounds, but on 58 percent shooting. Um, right, and, and his numbers since being in the starting lineup are really good, especially assist-wise. Yeah, yeah, and he's a what's his assist at? I don't even think I have it. I think he's he's probably just averaging like two assists per game, but but for a big man, that's not bad. The, the thing is about about Denver, I love so many of their players, but you there's just not enough minutes to go around to yeah. kind of let everybody kind of flourish. The truth is, out of all their players, Jokic is the best. And the problem is, is that's very unexpected. And any minutes that go to Nurkic versus Jokic are hurting the team, even though Nurkic is not bad. And the thing is, Nurkic, in his mind, feels like he should be a starter. Right. And he's very publicly said that since the switch for Jokic to be in the starting lineup. But the truth is, the Nuggets are the best when Jokic is starting. For sure. And in fact, he probably should have been starting even before. But I'm sure they had to kind of manage... So you're managing, you're juggling a player like Nurkic, Jokic. Then you have somebody like Kenneth Fareed who wants more minutes because Kenneth Fareed is like, he's in this weird place where he started off as such a phenomenon that we probably overrated him. And his climb back to regression, we are now underrating him because now we're looking at him like he's some kind of scrub, but... The kind of energy he provides and the kind of, you know, consistent like offensive rebounding, putbacks, all that stuff, those are skills that are still very valuable. But because he's not that guy that we saw, you know, when he had the one, two season breakout in the we 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 devalue him. So they have a lot of players. They also have Danilo Garonari, who should be playing the four. Um and 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 just they have a very, very deep group of guys that are ripe for like you know a consolidation type trade where if some kind of star or difference maker becomes available just package two or three of those players and just just start to fix your rotations but i love jokic so much because a passing big man man is like probably other than like the lebron type player mm-hmm. uh, and Giannis, 
a passing big man like Jokic, like your boy Embiid, like guys like that who can play make while being that big, I love it so much so because much. it opens up so much of the floor. It opens so much up of the everything. It's so fun. You know, he's also it's shooting. So I know he's also shooting a pretty decent clip from three. I don't really know what it is. Right. I, yeah. I think it's three thirty three percent from three for a big guy. Yeah. That's that's Which huge. Is great. That's I mean that's that's your target. Thirty three yeah. percent is. Listen, I watched them play the so the Sixers and the Nuggets played the other night and the Sixers won and I I don't really worry much about centers playing Joel Embiid. He pretty much eats all their lunches. But when Jokic was on the court, I was like, "Oh man, oh man, it's not good." <laughs> like I know. He's, he's yeah. taking it to Embiid and that's kind of like really that's impressive. Good, yeah, that's always a good way to like figure out what kind of players are good or bad when you start evaluating how the opposing fan bases feel about them. And yes, Jokic is one of those guys where if you're playing against Denver, you want Jokic on the bench as much as possible. Exactly. Yeah. Which just speaks to how talented this kid is. Also, I think he was another one that was drafted really, really late. Wasn't he like, the, oh, yeah. what was he? the? Well, I know that Isaiah Thomas was the last pick of the second round. We're going to talk about him shortly. That's incredible. But uh, Nikola Jokic, I think, was actually drafted in the second round. I'm not sure. 41st pick. Really? Yeah, Whoa. second round, forty first pick. Wow, that's insane! And here he is. Like he's he, I don't think he's gonna make the All Star this year. But if he keeps on this trajectory, man, like the sky's the limit for this kid. And he's yeah, I'm also. Looking, I'm, I'm looking through this draft. This is amazing. Oh yeah, I remember. I looked this up a few days ago. Um, in the same draft, twenty five picks earlier. Mm-hmm. Nurkic. Yeah, well, drafted both of them the same year. Yeah, well, Nurkic was really Nurkic is still really good. I think he just had his yeah. confidence shaken for whatever reason, and I could definitely see some suitors for him if they want to move him, and he would be good on another team. He might just yeah, you know, he might just need a change of pace and change of scenery or something. But I don't think his career is done at all. I think he's still going to no, have a really no, good no. career. Yeah, I, I I agree with you. I think it's just about finding the right situation. And honestly, if if Jokic wasn't as good. Nurkic would be a perfectly good center. It just seems that Denver was scratching the wrong itch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? I've been, <laughs> I've been sitting on that one all day. <laughs> it's like, oh, I got one. I got one. Oh, <laughs> me and my dad jokes. <laughs> um, all right, let's move on. Let's talk about uh, who do we want to talk about next? All right, let's talk about Isaiah. Isaiah Thomas, right? As he, he, I just watched him and like, he didn't have the greatest night against the Sixers, but he still, you know, he still kills them. That kid is so quick. He's like a little bowling ball too. He's strong. He's really quick. And how tall is he? I think he's like our height. Yeah, I think he's our height. It's crazy, man. I mean, he's like God. He could bend me in half, but yeah, he's a, <laughs> <laughs> he's so fast. And he is. He's not. Sorry. Here's here's his here's his. Uh, his stats. He's got. He's averaging twenty seven point eight points per game, which I think is fifth in the league right now. Um, six point six point four assists, two point five rebounds. Which for a guy that small, it's impressive that he gets any. Right. Thirty six percent from three, and he's got uh, on. He's his usage is um, twenty seven point one on thirty three minutes a game. Yeah. So he's basically their whole offense. Oh yeah, and you know it's it's so interesting. The so I'm I'm a Lakers fan so obviously everything about the Celtics uh you know take it with a grain of salt, um I still see the same flaws with the Celtics in the sense that they're always going to be the most well prepared team right mm-hmm. because Brad Stevens is an amazing coach, um 
they're going to run a very structurally sound offense. I think Al Horford has been good for them. Yeah. Uh, I, I wouldn't classify it as their missing kind of superstar that they needed, but he's been good. Uh, they defensively haven't been great, but I think that, you know, with the chemistry that they developed throughout the rest of the year, I think they'll be fine. The thing is, Isaiah Thomas has having an amazing year. And, uh, you know, that he had a crazy outburst, uh, you know, f- was it 50, 52 points, 52 right? 52 points, yeah. Followed it the was, next game was, with, like, his career assists in 15, right, which isn't right. that great. No, he's, 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 playing, he's playing at a really, really high level. The thing is, the physical limitations of Isaiah Thomas uh, at 5'9", those come into light when an offense, when, uh, sorry, when a playoff team can lock in game plan against that in a seven-game series. And until it's proven otherwise, I think the Celtics will always be constrained by that fact that if their best offensive player continues to be Isaiah Thomas, their ceiling is quite low. Literally. They look bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah literally. I didn't even mean to do that. Yeah. yeah. But their ceiling, their ceiling isn't anything other than, you know, I don't even know how they win a playoff round because if they're like a three seed and they're playing the Bucks. Or yeah. something like that, or or they're you know, up against I don't all know. that length and all that height. Yeah, right. You're like, at, I, I, you're immediately at a disadvantage. To, disadvantage right. and, and you can game plan against that. Mm-hmm. And and we've seen it time after time after time that the playoffs are a different game. And oh, yeah. most of the reason why they're a different game is because in an 82 game season, there's back to backs, three games in five nights, you know, five games in eight nights, like craziness like that. You can only do so much with the game plan. But when you have one team, one matchup, one main guy who you need to game plan against, it is much more likely. And you, you get to you'll know, be able to succeed. Exactly. And, like, you know, I could see them winning a few games because Brad Stevens is a really good coach and he can game oh, plan, sure. like, like, with the best of them. But when you're when you're playing a, a, the same team every time for, like, potentially seven games in a row, you become intimately familiar with everything they're scheming, with all their player personnel and what they're going to do. And, you, it, you know, if they scheme to take away Isaiah Thomas because of his height and you can do that because like or even or even give him mismatches because he's not going to guard LeBron he's just too small yeah. you, you can shoot yeah. right over him um you know there's not much they can do to 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 combat that the reason we're talking about Isaiah Thomas is is twofold first he's taken a huge step this year even from last year he was really good but the yeah. step the the difference in points he's putting up this year be- between this year and last year and just the impact he's having on the game He's taking a giant leap. I think he's definitely going to be an all-star. Um, yeah, I agree with that. And, and I, you and should, it, you know, when and and the Celtics are like they're probably at worst going to finish as a three seed in the East. Mm-hmm. They deserve at least one all-star. And if there's going to be one all-star, you go with Isaiah. Right, right, right. And the second reason we're talking about it is because I know you don't like the Celtics, so I just wanted to get you. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> I just wanted to get you talking about the Celtics. What do you mean? How dare I? Everything you tweet is. Uh, it's like anti-Celtic stuff. <laughs> it's it's my job. Yeah, it's fair. It's fair. Hey, I don't, I'm not saying I mind it. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> um, but I will say this about the uh, the Celtics, and I I love that I was watching I was watching um, the game tonight, the Sixers and the Celtics, and I was watching the Sixers feed, and they kept showing like shots of Danny Ainge sitting on the sideline. And I'm like, yeah, dude, like, look what you're missing. Like, you, you, everybody gave him <laughs> so much credit for building the right way. And like, look what you got. The Sixers are going to be so much better <laughs> in like a few years. Good luck. You know, I, 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 uh, I'll get my Celtic shade in here. 
I think that Danny Ainge is a really, really good trading GM. Trading GM, but his exactly. his draft record has been awful. His his so bad, so and he bad. doesn't get enough crap for it. No, I, I was going to say the I, same thing. Does not get enough crap for it. Go ahead. If if, if he dra- so like okay, the Lakers front office gets a ton of crap for the way they draft, mm-hmm. right? They have. Oh, well, uh, sorry, the, they get a ton of crap of just how they are. Oh, Jim Buss, he's terrible, you know, this, uh, the son of the owner, what does he know? They have such a good draft record, and for any rebuilding team or any team that's in that situation, drafting is the most important thing, and Danny Inge has done a very, very poor job, in my opinion, of that. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, they've had every opportunity to take some really good picks, you know, yeah. and he's missed. Over hey, I, and I still over. I think him every day, every time I see Julius Randle, because the Celtics could have taken Julius Randle, and instead they took Marcus Smart. Yeah. So I'm very happy about that. <laughs> All right. So speaking of, let's talk about your boy Julius. He's been. He's been. Yeah. Didn't he have a triple double the other night? He did. He's, he's the. So I think there's only like, I think James Harden, Russell Westbrook, LeBron James. And Giannis, maybe, are the mm-hmm. only other guys who had more than one triple-double this year. So that's pretty good company. Yeah. Well, how many does he have on the year now? Two, three? That is just two. Yeah, two. It was still, a second. Still. I know. And it's weird. Like, these these counting stats don't actually mean anything. They're just this barometer I, that we go by for whatever reason. Like, oh, a triple-double. That means, for those of you who don't know and might just be tuning in, it's when you have double-digit points or double-digit whatever in three different categories. So, it's, yeah. you know, like, what was his triple-double the other night? I it was like you know sixteen fifteen twelve some something like that where it was just like kind of evenly distributed yeah but I think what's interesting and and you mentioned that about um you know I, we talked about Giannis and how the coaches let him make mistakes I think Luke Walton has really empowered two players in particular um, Brandon Ingram and Julius Randle who didn't come into the league to as playmakers of any kind of in any kind of way wait, but he's wait, really wait. Hold on. Slow your roll there. Julius Randle, when he came into the league, he was known as like a ball handling four. He was a pretty big playmaker. Yeah, come on. Okay. So so what I will (laughs) say then, he was not utilized that way his first two years of his NBA career. Okay. Let's say that. That's fair. Well, his first year, he sat out because he broke his leg or something. Yeah. Yeah. And then the next two years, he's coached by Byron Scott. Yeah. So the thing is. So throw away the the, first three years of his career. (laughs) So, yeah. So. Basically, it's it's he's pushing his players to be all round kind of playmaking because I think long term, the way the the young players are like D'Angelo Russell, D'Angelo Russell is a hybrid. He's almost a scoring guard, right? Right. And as positions become less and less important, everybody we're discussing, all the big men we're discussing, are not traditional big men. They're not back to the basket. Hey, you you, this is your role. Just rebound and score in the post, and that's it, right? Right. So as the positions become more fluid, developing those skills is so important for somebody to take the next step. And if it is true, and I don't follow college basketball, so I'm glad you do. No, I don't don't either. I just remember him coming out. And I was like, I was was really hyped on him. I liked him a lot. I I just thought he was going to be a really good pro. But go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, Yeah, so Julius Randle being a kind of playmaker in the sense that in, in what he's shown, Keeps him involved because he's had issues with kind of checking out a little bit when he's not directly involved in the game plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, keeping him involved. Also developing that skill set because it's very, very clear now that Julius Randle's ceiling will be 
achieved in a better way as long as he continues this path. He's kind of found what works. And the all-round, you know, just just freak of nature, just in open court, he's 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 so fun to watch in the open court. I yeah. don't see people his size making the kind of moves he makes, the kind of spin moves, uh, you know, hesitation, dribbles, all that all that crazy stuff that guards do. He's capable of doing it. And long term, next to a guy like D'Angelo Russell, and and you know the the other pieces they have, that'll be so important. And I've been I've been impressed. You know, I if if anybody can even go back and search my tweets, I found that Julius Randle. I was very very down on him, and I was very wrong about that. I'm glad to be as a Lakers fan. I'm glad to have been very wrong about being wrong about you know Julius Randle and his and what kind of pro he's going to be. Mm-hmm. Um. I had a point and I totally lost it. Oh my god! <laughs> Sorry, I know I talk, no, I talk so much. I feel like yeah. It's okay, man. Go ahead, go for it. Um, <laughs> uh, Randall, no, he does. He, the one thing I was going to say about him is that like he, he's a little bit a black hole too. I feel like he, yeah. he he does get lost with the ball. You throw it into him, and he's just no. And I and you know what? And I think I think pushing Luke Walton, pushing him to actually be a, a integral part of the playmaking. Mm-hmm is actually almost designed to get that out of his game and it's worked and it's worked because I felt the same way when Julius gets a ball. Okay. Well that's, that's the end of the possession. He's yeah. going to, you know, rush, rush at the rim and, and hopefully something good happens. But I think giving him more responsibility, again, expanding that comfort zone, the same thing we talked about Jason Kidd is expanding that comfort zone is, is, is it, it's working. And the same thing, it's like, People questioned why is why is Luke Walton having Brandon Ingram bring up the ball in the second unit and why is he you know forcing him to run pick and rolls? I think it's to say, hey Brandon, you've never done this before. You've been on you know scorer. You 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 at Duke you came off curls constantly and you know you 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 made uh, shots off the dribble and stuff like that. Right. No, you have to set some plays. You have to make the right decisions. You have to make the right reads. This is expanding his comfort zone. Using this developmental year, using this you know kind of rebuilding year to develop those skills. And I think it's, you know, it's been working generally. The Lakers have fallen off a little bit, but I think they were always closer to being this level of a team than the team that they were right out of the gate. Oh, and sure. so, yeah. yeah, I'm, 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 I'm day to day game to game. I'm sad when they lose, but big picture, I'm still happy with the direction. Everything is going. You, you sound like a Sixers fan, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> Trust the process. Trust the process. I, don't know, I was going to ask you, though, what do you think his ceiling is, though? And, like, he's, I mean, he's averaging 13.7 points, 8.7 rebounds, and that's good. That's, like, that's solid That's solid numbers, but that's not, like, superstar numbers. It's not going to get you into the all-star game. So do you right. think he has that potential? I mean, he's, again, he's taken a leap this year, but how big is that leap? So it's interesting, right? It, if, if you look at it from that context, I think everybody on this Lakers core – uh, let's call the big three of the core, like just moving forward is D'Angelo Russell, Julius Randle, and Brandon Ingram. I don't see the trajectory to any of them being a superstar. Right. I don't, I, I see for D'Angelo Russell, I see maybe two all-star games. For Julius Randle, I see maybe two, three all-star games. Brandon Ingram is a complete blank slate at this point. I don't even know where to go with that. Mm-hmm. I don't see like that. Giannis leap or I don't see you know what Joel Embiid is doing right now or Porzingis in New York I don't see that yet and that's okay I mean this is part of the process uh they're probably going to be in a situation where they try to rebuild through free agency in the draft and even with the new CBA that'll make it uh, sorry free agency and 
uh, trades, even though the new CBA is going to make that a little bit more difficult to, for free agency, I think that's their path. I think that that's still, I don't see the generational superstar on the Lakers right now. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. But he's still, I think he'll still be a solid piece for them moving forward. Yes, he can be a nice, sure. I think a fourth player on your on your championship team, I think he has that potential. And that's not bad. So you mean like the 2018 championship Lakers team? Yeah, that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the one. When they're going to be playing the Sixers? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, listen. Uh, I do want to circle back around at the end. We'll talk more about like your Lakers as a whole, and mostly about that Lakers pick that I'm coveting. But <laughs> we've got one more to talk about. We were going to talk about my boy Joel Embiid. Let me just say, oh. can, have you watched him play? Obviously, everyone oh, has. Oh my god. Oh yeah. He's he is. I, I gotta say, like he is so. Just pure fun. Yeah. The NBA is supposed to be fun. The, he is the epitome of fun. Like, just... It's not just course. his... Yeah, and it's not just his playing either. It's his personality. Like, I had Spike Eskin from the Red Ricky Sanchez on the podcast once. And he was... This was preseason, and he was talking about Joel Embiid wanted to be called The Process. And he's like... How amazing is that? He's like, he's like if you put one of, one of the Liberty Ballers guys... And like if they developed Joel Embiid right, in a lab, right, that's right. what you would get. He is right. that guy. They, it's so funny. By I the way, at the ex- game, I, I, oh sorry, yeah. let me just tell you this real quick. At the game tonight in Boston, there were fans in the stands cheering "Trust the Process" at a Boston game. I don't, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm in love. No, he's, he's <laughs> yeah. I was just I was just saying like if NBA Twitter collectively came together to make a basketball player, it would be Joel Embiid. Oh yeah, he does everything. He does everything. And you know what? Did you see him playing? Did you see the Sixers play the Kings the other night? This is insane, too. He was yeah. he was playing slap ass with Boogie Cousins. <laughs> yeah. It was yeah. amazing. It's amazing. It was amazing. He, he, despite, you know, all the injury trouble he's had, this is, a, this is his rookie season. He looks so comfortable out there. Yeah. He does not look like a rookie. No. And he's putting up all-star numbers legitimately. Listen, I'm going to tell you his numbers right now. And we'll talk a little bit about uh, his all-star bid. But 19.2 points per game, 7.3 rebounds, 2.4 blocks per game, 38% from three. This is absurd. This is a dude who's seven foot two, 38% from three on 25 minutes a game. 25 and, minutes. And, and and that is probably the most impressive part, right? Yeah. They're the just – they're not the, – I think with good reason, they're limiting his minutes. They're oh, not yeah. putting too much strain on him. But Joel Embiid is like, like everything about a player like that. You just, you know, knock on wood every time and say, if healthy, if healthy, mm-hmm. if healthy. Um, you look at him and you say, okay, this guy is a foundational player. And now you think about a one Ben Simmons is back. And imagine a Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, pick and pop, right? And... If Ben Simmons is bad at shooting, okay, that's fine. They're going to run a pick and pop where Joel Embiid is the one who's who's, who's kind shooting. of pulling back. Yeah. And he's the guy who's shooting. And Ben Simmons is going to the hoop. Now we're talking, right? Now, now we're talking about this is what Sam Hankey wanted to do. By the way, it still hurts me that Sam Hankey didn't take Porzingis. Oh, it hurts. It hurts you. Hurts you. <laughs> you have no idea. That's so true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I... Although you know, okay. So that that's the point I wanted to get back to you at. Go ahead. I do think I do think that Nerlens Noel and Embiid can coexist. 
I don't know why the hell you guys would trade Embiid. I I, I don't care how Not unhappy Embiid. these guys are. Right, wait. No, I know, but I mean, but my point is, is that Embiid is the guy who's probably going to go based off everything I'm seeing, and because wait, Okafor's no, Noel, value, you mean, you're saying Noel would be the guy to go, not Embiid. Oh shoot, yeah, yeah, yeah. sorry, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, Noel, yeah, 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 no, no, Noel, right? And and he's the guy. Noel is the guy who's rumored in all these trades because I think he naturally has the highest trade value out of Okafor and and Noel. I just, I'd say, you know what? Screw it. We're in the process. It's fine. If if you want Jaleel Okafor, this is the price. And whenever you guys want him, you can take him. But for the time being, we're going to make Embiid and we're going to make Noel work together because Embiid has the ability, right, to shoot the threes and, and kind of be the outside kind of guy and the playmaker in the offense. It, it, Nerlens Noel is on a rookie contract. He's a defensive stopper. He's a really solid big man. I don't understand why you can't have him start Noel with Embiid and have you know Noel go to the bench early, like you know stagger the lineups. I don't understand why this can't work. I don't know why you would trade Noel, and they seem to be really good friends. And Jaleel Okafor doesn't seem like he has the best chemistry with the team. Just, just stop the charade. I don't, I, I don't understand. I'm just gonna say, and this is coming from a Lakers fan. I, you, yeah. you are yeah. preaching to the choir. Listen, two things that made me really happy about, even though the Sixers lost to the Celtics tonight. Two things that made me really happy. They played Noel and Embiid together for a few minutes. Every yeah. time that that it it's a very very small sample size, but the two of them on the court together stop everyone. They have potential to be a yes. lethal defensive combination. Joel yes. can can pass the ball to Nerlens for alley oops. They can and they can both cover. They the other thing that's crazy about them is they're both so good at defense. They're a six foot eleven and a seven foot two guy that can cover on the perimeter. Not extended and minutes, me- but. And Noel can Noel is so good at jumping passing lanes and getting steals. He's the best stealing big man in the league, bar none. He if had three they, blocks. If they make. like Sorry. each other. If they get along, just don't break it up. Make yeah, it work. Exactly. If Oak, Oak, what are you going to do with Okafor? Okafor is not going to be a good, anything. Like he's, he's not. He's not going to be anything. He's not, it's so frustrating because it's like. There's the Laker fan aspect of me, but then the bigger fan is the NBA fan. And mm-hmm. I'm looking at the Sixers team. I'm saying, you have something here. Do not mess it up. I don't know what you're going to get for Noel. And I, I know it's going to be more than what you can get for Jaleel. But suck it up because you have these two guys and they want to make it work. By all accounts, they want to make it work. And Jaleel Okafor is the guy who's going to stay. Exactly. I know it's going to happen. Oh, uh, don't say that. But I was going to say the other thing that made me happy tonight is that Okafor did not play a single minute. I was like, I was like, listen, oh, and here's the thing. I don't Hey, have, they played Boston tough. That's a good sign. Yeah. I don't have, they lost by four and it was only, it came down to the very last seconds. They had, they only right. lost by four because they had to foul. Um, I don't have anything against Okafor as a person. I'm sure he's a nice guy. You hear nice things about his character, right? And he has, listen, but he has nothing, some really. Nothing, nothing good comes after. I'm sure he's a really nice guy. <laughs> It's like it's like everybody's everyone who ever starts a conversation with I don't mean to be racist about this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um and he, let's be honest, he has some really nice post moves. Old school in the paint post moves. They're beautiful. Right. He's got a beautiful spin move and then that's it. He's a defensive liability like he every like, You know and the thing is the thing is there is going to be a use for him mm-hmm. just not on this just team. Just not on this team exactly. His 
him being on the court makes everyone worse. And I'm not joking about that. The numbers yeah. are there to prove it. He doesn't fit on this team. And I have nothing against him, but I just hope they give him away for a bag of beans at this point. I do not want to watch Okafor play on this team anymore. And me too. I, I think don't get like he, they should not. I You know what the problem is? Hmm. This is going to be Colangelo's biggest transaction since he joined the team. Yeah. And that might create problems, right? That might be a situation where Colangelo's first trade is going to be Jaleel Loco for, for like, you know, I don't know, two second rounders. And, and it, people it, are going it, to get upset right. because he gave him right. away for nothing. He's so, not. He, yeah, go ahead. I, I think that's that's probably the biggest problem. Uh, goodness, you could have had Porzingis. I still like. I, I know. I know you're a success you, man. You probably kills you. It kills me. Can you imagine either like last year when it would have been Noel and Porzingis? Because that is a deadly combination. All right. Or or this year, if it would have been uh, Embiid and Porzingis on the court together. Yeah, exactly. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? All right. So anyway, <laughs> let's uh, let's, you know, you know who could use Okafor, though? Don't you dare. The Lakers. Don't you dare. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, you know, I, it's funny. We still like after losses, you know, there's. There's the percentage of every fan base that's just like, you know, I don't know how better to say it. Just not smart, let's say. Yeah. Um, like a percentage you, of our country. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> if you do Twitter searches for Jaleel Okafor, like after Laker losses, mm -hmm. you will still see some people saying D'Angelo Russell for Jaleel Okafor. It still happens. You know Can what? Can you believe that? It's funny. I I really wanted them to take D'Angelo Russell at first. Um but the longer he's played, the more I hate him. <laughs> he's oh, a fine player, dude. I can't take the I, ice. I, I can't take the ice in the veins. It makes me crazy. It's like ah, stop it! It's an amazing it. celebration. <laughs> he just he he gloats too much, a little bit too much. Yeah, you know, there's there's an element. So what he's he's actually received uh, quite a bit of criticism because even when the Lakers were playing well, uh, he really wasn't at his. Uh, at what we thought he could be. Mm -hmm. And he's actually been dealing with a, 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 a knee issue all right. season. And he even sat out like two weeks. And the numbers bear this out. Even when his shooting hasn't been as good. And even when his like assist numbers and whatnot. Whatever the metrics you want to use are not that good. Mm -hmm. If you look at his on-off numbers. The offense of the Lakers is far, far worse in minutes that D'Angelo Russell's on the bench. And... Yeah, there are things that drive you nuts, like, you know, there's turnovers, um, kind of lazy passes or too fancy passes, mm -hmm. or sometimes it looks like he's not fully engaged, or sometimes it's like the he's not ramping up the intensity level to where it probably should be. There's certainly things that are troubling, but troubling in the sense that troubling today, where those are things those that, that sometimes comes with maturity and, and some, some guards take longer to develop on that end. But it, it it just every metric bears it out. It's that the, the Lakers are a better team when D'Angelo Russell is on the floor. And there's this guy named Pete. Uh, he's on Twitter at Laker Film Room. He's doing this great. He's like an ex coach, and he's doing these great film breakdowns. And the kinds of reads that D'Angelo Russell is making are really, really, really good. Yes, he needs to clean up the turnovers. Yes, he needs to kind of have a sustained intensity. Yes, he needs to be more of a leader. Like the the Lakers have been blowing the Lakers. This is a crazy number. Yeah. The Lakers have blown fifteen. 
games that they've had double-digit leads in. Oh. 15 times this year. <laughs> and it's like, it's it, I don't know what it is specifically about this group, but it's almost like they're kind of... Luke Walton brought in like this kumbaya kind of thing where everybody's together and we're having a good time. And that's great because that culture shift was needed. Right. The problem is I don't think that they have somebody who's willing to step on toes and say, get out of the effing way. You get to your corner. I'm winning this game right now. Right. Right. And every team has that player. Every team needs that player. Mm -hmm. And I think that is what we're going to see between somebody like, like D'Angelo Russell and Julius Randle, but truthfully, it has to be D'Angelo Russell because D'Angelo Russell is a guy who kind of who who who, who kind of keeps everything moving, and he has a good jump shot, and he has a good three point shot, and all of those things, right? Right. So uh, that is the next level of his progression. And last year, for a point guard who likes passing, who likes to, to be flashy, who likes to kind of improvise on the floor, last year was the worst possible situation for him with Kobe. Yes. Uh, kind of monopolizing possessions in and out of the lineup. Byron Scott, his coach, antagonizing him. So not only was that year uh, kind of a wash in terms of developmental, it was almost a negative where we're t- Luke Walton had to dig D'Angelo Russell out of the ground first before setting him up for the next level. So it's going to take time. And we have to be patient. The Lakers, as long as... It's not a situation where D'Angelo was, you know, I don't know. It, I just don't see a character issue here. And and there's, a, you know, the unfortunate Nick Young and all that, the Snapchat yeah. and all that. But if, if you look at the team and if you look at their chemistry, it's really good. Well, so it's just a matter of growth. Growing pains. Yeah, growing That's pains what for else. sure. Growing pains. <laughs> I was going to say about D'Angelo Russell is that um, I think, you know, we know he has great court vision. Coming out of college, yeah. they were, that was what he was touted for, that and his shooting ability. And I think those things still are there. I think the major thing against – there's two major things against him. One of them he will grow out, which is his – grow out of – it's his immaturity. I think he's just a little bit immature, clearly by the ice in the veins thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, love that the, I love that that bothers me. It bothers me so much. I don't know why. It's enjoyable to me. Yeah. <laughs> well, enjoy it. Um, and the other thing that – you know that. I think limits his ceiling a little bit is just his lateral quickness and his, his athletic ability. It's not there. It's never going to be there. And that's fine. Like he can still be a really, he could be like, look at James Harden. He's one of the best, not even point guards, but players in the league. And it's funny that we're calling him a point guard now. Um, I know. And and he's sort of a very similar player. I think he's a slightly bit more athletic and he's also a lot bigger and bruising or does that make sense? More of a bruiser. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. Yeah. More of a bruiser. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think he's probably just a little bit smarter of a player at this point in his career too. But yeah, like D'Angelo Russell can totally get there. Anyway, let's... I, I think I think that you know that aspect of that athleticism and that quickness—that's what's limited him uh, with his driving ability because mm-hmm. he doesn't really get to the basket that well. And when he does, it's not you know it, he's not finishing strong. He's not getting to the line a lot. So I think yes, those are absolutely areas that. It's hard to see how much he how he gets much better. I obviously would expect improvement, yeah. But he he's not gonna you know it, it, he can't change ex- all of that. Right, right. Some of it you're just born with. He's born with great yeah. great court vision, and right, I right. think he'll grow into being a leader. I don't think he's ever gonna grow into another set of legs that allows him to move quicker. <laughs> right, right. 
Um, but anyway, what else? What else were we going to talk about? I just wanted to bring one more thing up with you, and because or- I wanted to ask you about, you know, your your team has really fallen off hard lately, and I'm wondering. I just have a real quick question because they owe their pick to the Sixers if they <laughs> if they fall. I'm rooting. I'm rooting <laughs> so hard for them. You to want like, them to keep tanking, the- right? This is this is or this is what tank. I want. I want them to finish with like a bottom, let's say, six record and have like a four percent chance of keeping the pick, whatever the percentage is, and keeping it. Yeah. Like, so it's like, it's like they don't fall so far to the ground. At the same time, they keep their pick. Now the truth is, even with if you look at the records of all the teams at the bottom. So we're talking about Brooklyn, mm-hmm. we're talking about Philly, Philly, and we're talking about the Lakers, like well, that kind of Suns, those kind of teams, right? The Suns, Suns. Dallas. Who I, else is in there so, right now? But yeah, go on. There is no team that is outright tanking like there no. was last year. Right. So the win totals at the bottom should be higher than they were last year. So the Lakers last year finished with 17 wins and they were second worst in the league. I think the second worst uh, record in the league might be closer to 25 wins, which is huge. That's an eight win difference. I totally agree. I was thinking, and I think, yeah, and it's going to be, it just makes for better, enjoyable basketball, right? Right. So if the Lakers, so my preseason prediction was 27 wins for them. Mm -hmm. And they're actually now, they, they went from like a 40 win pace to now they're at about a 27 win pace. 27 is exactly one third. So they're at about they're exactly at thirty three percent right now win percentage. If they finish with twenty seven wins, I had it projected where they were going to finish with the third worst record with, uh, actually fourth worst. So it's going to be Brooklyn, Phoenix, exactly like it is right now. Brooklyn, Phoenix, Philly. Uh, Philadelphia, and mm-hmm. Lakers. Yeah. Now, Philly is not that bad. Philly's fun. Philly's coming uh, around too, as long as right? as long as. Uh, Okafor's on the bench. <laughs> the Suns, the Suns are trying to win every night, right? They're they're yeah. not tanking. Uh, Brooklyn has no incentive to tank because they don't have their own pick, right? Right? It's going to Boston, so there's no team at the bottom who truly is going to be out there tanking. I, I I really think there's a chance where the Lakers look good and still finish close enough to that bottom three to keep you just yeah. so nervous on lottery night, and I I can't wait. It's going to get me so angry if they keep their pick. I'll be like, oh, come on. So, uh, Although, listen. Remember, it, they, that year, remember that year Cleveland when they got – I think when – was it the year they got Kyrie Irving? They had like a yeah. 0.9 chance of getting the number one pick and they got it. They got it. So Two years great, in a row. That's, yeah. yeah. That's the greatest of the lottery, right? <sighs> Although, you know what? They got Kyrie the one year and then the next year who'd they get? Anthony Bennett. Exactly. <laughs> so you never know. You just never know. But, uh, yeah, no. I. God, bad i mean like i i say this all the time i say this probably on every podcast historically i hate the lakers franchise i just i've hated kobe for my entire adult life respect (laughs) um you know and i was going to talk to you about this i did mention a little bit about we should probably wrap it up because we're like an hour here and i'm we're all over the place but I enjoy talking to you, so I did want to bring this up. <laughs> we... I'm sorry, I I always go long with my answers, so I apologize. No, no, it's fine. You and everyone else. I just usually don't interject <laughs> as much as I do with you, because I feel like I could actually talk to you, whereas everybody else, I'm just like, I'll just I'll just listen. It's fine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was going to bring up that the um, when we were talking about Isaiah about how Crowder blasted the Celtics fans because they were cheering for Gordon Hayward, which is kind of deplorable to me, and that says something about the. Oh, also, I wanted to mention this. It's says something about their 
uh, fan base, which I noticed tonight in the crowd view sourcing, is almost completely white. It's the whitest fan base I've ever seen. Oh, have, yeah. have you noticed that? I've never noticed this before. Oh, come on. It's like all Irish Boston. dudes. I know. Boston. <laughs> yeah. It's, I, it's it's not a shock to me that uh, uh, Boston fans are, uh, you know, slightly possibly racist. Come on. Yeah. It's no, Boston. Fair. Yeah. It's fair. That's it's all right. Nothing against Boston as the city. It just they're, they're <laughs> really. Oh, hate- no. No, no, no. I'm talking about Boston the city. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm just, you know, I just, their their team is, it, they've won too much. Both of your Boston and the Lakers, they can, you know, no offense. <laughs> it's time for some losing. I'm enjoying it. Um, anyway, man, we should probably wrap it up, but thank you again for coming on the show. It's always a pleasure having you on and, and, and uh, plug your stuff again. Oh, by the way, tell me about 16 wins a ring. What is this? I just, you, it so- just... Yeah, 16 Wins a Ring is uh, this project started by Adam Joseph. Um, he's, he's a really nice guy, and he started a website, and he asked me to join on. Uh, I, I like, so I'm a fan of the Lakers, but when it comes to the NBA, I really like looking at kind of the organizational level. Um, I just actually wrote a piece today about the emergence of the kind of dual coach GM role. So somebody like Mike Budenholzer in Atlanta or Doc Rivers in uh, LA or, you know, uh, Stan Van Gundy in Detroit. And I was kind of writing about how difficult that is. And I understand the reasons why um, that happens. And I understand the reasons why they're offering these guys that role, Tom Thibodeau in Minnesota. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just wrote about kind of the conflict. So I like looking at the game sometimes from an organizational standpoint and so that's kind of what Adam asked me to do uh, on occasion for 16 Wins a Ring. So it's just a collection of guys on the internet uh, where we're, we're posting. It's relatively new. It's doing really well. So please, yeah, check out 16 Wins a Ring. Um, silver screen and roll for Lakers coverage. By far the best Lakers coverage. Uh, seriously, like the guys, you know, Harrison Fagan and uh, Drew Garrison are kind of running the show there. Anthony Irwin is a big part of it. Those guys are amazing. So silver screen and roll. Um, and yeah, follow me on Twitter at D A M A N R, Dumb and R. Um, and yeah, thanks, Joe. I really, I always appreciate it. I always have a good time. Sure. I'm sure I'll have you on again in probably like a month. I think it's like a monthly thing, right? I'm just gonna, yeah, that sounds good to me, man. No you're, problem. You're keeping my watch here. I'm, <laughs> like, what month is it? Dom should be on. All right. Anyway, man, it's good to talk to you again. And uh, I, I would say go Lakers, but that kills my soul. But go Lakers. Go Lakers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, man. I'll talk trust to you soon. Trust the process, baby. Yeah, trust the pro- Exactly. Trust the process. All right, buddy. I'll All talk right, to you man. soon. Bye-bye. All right. Later. Well, there you go, guys and gals and friends and and companions and compadres and i don't know what i'm saying uh i hope you enjoyed the show um you know as always check out the the show on uh, abpn podcast network i think that's redundant the uh almighty baller podcast network uh you can follow at Superflight pod you can follow me at joe borelli on twitter and email the show get in touch say hi send me some questions i'd love to talk to you guys i'd love to hear about your life because i tell you about mine all the time in the beginning of the show um anyway I'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Napa know-how. 
Napa guy knows more isn't always better. Unless we're talking about full-size vans. These beasts do more than get you from A to B. They have so much space a man can live in it. With shag carpeting, waterbed, and a sweet lava lamp, these mobile abodes have all the comforts of home. With quality parts and plenty of Napa know-how, you can keep the original tiny house running longer, stronger. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. 